You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Before we get started, I got one more announcement. Can you handle it? Can you handle one more announcement? Um, let me see in the room, do we have any former OSSM students? Let me see your hands. Put them in the air. Yep, all around the room here. You've got them. Um, Dave Jackson back there and myself um, are co-directors of the Orlando School of Supernatural Ministry. If, if you don't like saying it that way, you can just say OSSM. It's another way of saying awesome. And the people who come and do it are awesome. awesome. We're going to be kicking it off again another 16 weeks. The fall term is starting August 23rd, Wednesday night. Everybody say August 23rd. August 23rd. Wednesday night. Excellent. Okay, if you want information on that, um, you can come see me or you can come see Dave about it, but please do it quickly. We want to make sure we give you all the details so you know what you're getting into beforehand because I promise you it will stretch you. Mindy, come up here, please. And she's going to tell you. Mindy was one of our students last term and it rocked her world, so tell them about that. It did. So I started the class coming off of a two-year-long depression. Just horrible. Like, I was not doing well. I didn't believe God was good. I was like, Prove it to me, somebody prove it. So I was like, okay, let's do something challenging. Let's take this really extreme class and see <laughs> if God's real. So I did, and it was like very challenging in the best way. You got to learn how to like step out in faith and like see signs and wonders come through you. Yeah. But what's the best thing about it is that Dave and Joe, they'll do it for you. So you don't have to like feel like all the pressure that you have to do it. They're they can go on without you. Mm-hmm. So it's just so encouraging to be in like <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's so encouraging because like it's such a safe environment to practice and to get things wrong and have someone come right alongside you and fill in the blank. Like one time I gave a word to this lady and I was like, All I got is the word brother. And she's like, I don't have a brother. I was like, oh. <laughs> And then Joe filled it in. I was just like, Look at that, he just fixed it. So like <laughs> it's just such, it's such a good environment to yeah. By the end of the class, we went to like Lake Lotus Park. It was like Earth Day with all like the hippie people, and um, <laughs> and a chain of events where we like prayed for uh, Sarah. Had a word of knowledge that this lady's back from hurting her. She got healed. I was freaking out. Some guy <laughs> saw me freaking out. Came over to the table and I prayed, and he got healed through my hand. Yeah, come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Mindy. Awesome. Yeah, I can testify to that. Watching the students come through that the first couple of weeks, being so nervous, so concerned about what's going to happen, what's what's God going to make them do, or what are we going to make them do? Ultimately, to find out in the end, you can't shut them up. They're just carrying the presence of God. They're carrying miraculous signs and wonders wherever they go. That's a big reason why we have, when we do ministry teams, we have them come up here. Because they've got enough faith for everybody else in the room, even if you don't. They just carry enough because they've seen enough. How many in here have seen enough miracles and signs around you that you know that that's what God does? Yeah? Yeah? Well, that should. That should be the way we live, where it changes our perspective permanently to where every time we pray for people, we have that expectancy that God's just going to do something and people are going to encounter him. So, amen? 
All right. Let's see. I'm going to do something a little different this morning. <coughs> Everybody's on the edge of their seat now, right? Yeah. Y'all excited? We're going to do something a little different. It's not totally different. I am moving furniture out of the way. That's right. I'm moving furniture out of the way so that you never know what might happen here. <coughs> um, I wasn't planning on speaking um, this week, but I really felt the unction of the Holy Spirit all throughout the course of the week that there's, a, there's just a moment we have in front of us right now. And I wanted to communicate it as a family, um, as a pastor, um, for all of us together. Um, a few weeks ago, we sent out a couple of emails just letting everybody know in the family where we are financially as a church. And it's been a bit, bit of a challenge coming through the summer. And um, I'm not saying all this. Everybody, got, do I have your attention? Yeah. Can I have your attention 100%? I am not saying this because I'm trying to get you to give me money. Can we settle that issue right now? You need to know where we are financially. Everybody, we need to know. Families know what's going on. You guys communicate with your kids, right, and with your other your spouses and stuff. If there's something going on in the, fa in the family financially, you need to know what's going on. So we've communicated that. I felt like that's been very clear. But what I want to talk about, though, is something beyond that. I want to talk about money, okay? But I want to talk about something beyond that because it's not just about a giving. We believe in it here. Our family believes in it. You can go back and look at our taxes and look at it and see we believe in giving. Our family believes in it. It's something we're absolutely invested in. But I want to talk about it because of what it does. I don't want to talk about it because, hey, if you give to God, then you ultimately would be blessed. Yeah, absolutely, that's part of it. But that's not why we give. There's something that's even hard for me to sometimes put my finger on, but there's something about when we give, it releases us. It, it re is, does it make sense? It releases us. There's... All of us have some level of fear in our life, and I'm more and more convinced about this because I've seen it, I've experienced it. When we are a people that whenever we get into financial situations and we cease to give because we're afraid we're not going to have enough, you know what we do? We gave it life, and we just said we will never have enough. We actually give it life. We, we cause the very thing that we don't want to happen to happen when we don't give. That's why... I don't think giving is something that we should do just when there's a need. Right. Hello? Yeah. You don't give when there's a need. You give all the time. Yeah. All the time you give. Why, why do we do that? Because God is not moved by human need. Right. Hello? Mm -hmm. God is not moved by human need. He was so moved by human need, he gave his son and answered the question of human need. Yeah. Hello? Now he's given it to us to partner with him in faith. Because it's not need that moves God, it's faith that moves God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Boy, I can feel the temperature in the room changing already. <laughs> I don't tell people when I'm talking about money because people won't show up. I'm just kidding. But it is important. I have been in the church long enough to know, here's typically, statistically, here's how it happens. 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the giving. 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the giving. Church, why do we do that? Why, why do we do that? It, 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 it baffles me. It's like, it's like we take that part of our lives and we compartmentalize it and say, I want to have everything and expose and open myself, be vulnerable to God, but that one area, we don't do it right there. I'm not trying to tell you this to spank you. <laughs> I'm not trying to tell you this for punishment. I'm simply saying... There is something, if you talk to anybody who has made giving a regular part of their life, 
If you talk to anybody, I'm, I don't mean to put anybody on the spot here, and I don't mean to embarrass. Anybody in here, can you say, I've been a regular giver, regular giver in my life? You guys look around. I guarantee you, you can go and talk to any of these individuals and they will give you testimony after testimony after testimony. Not only of God's provision, but the release they have found when it comes to money itself. It no longer becomes mammon. When Jesus talks about it, he says, no one can serve two masters. And he talks about that. And he uses the word mammon. Why does he use that instead of the word money? Because mammon is money personified. And money becomes personified when we start holding on to it and we can't let it go. It now becomes a personality. It becomes, it becomes something that begins to speak to us. Oh yeah, don't do that, don't do that, over there. We start to hoard it, we start to hold on to it. And Jesus is clear about it. You can't serve two masters. And I'm just simply saying this, and I really hope you're hearing my heart, guys. I really do hope you're hearing my heart. I want to see people get free as much as anything else. The kingdom of God should be a group of people that are so generous that the world looks at it and says, oh my gosh. I personally believe, this is my personal belief, that the reason why we don't get to take care of the poor and the needy as much as we really should is because we've abdicated our responsibility to government. That's my personal belief. We abdicate it. Romans 8 tells me it's not the government's job to do good, it's the government's job to condone it. In other words, the government should look at good doing and say, yes, we will support you in that. Does that make sense? We've abdicated it as the church, and we've said, let's give it to the government and let the government do it. I don't know about you, but I see a lot of waste. <laughs> a lot of waste, and it doesn't really work. Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always. The goal is not to get people out of poverty. The, the goal is to give to the need that is there to reveal the kingdom. And the only way that's really going to happen as a church, the body of Christ, is if we all start partnering together in this and make it a part of our lives. Make it a part of our lives. So I'm, I'm right now, out of my mouth, challenging you, if it has not been something you have been consistently doing, get on the train. Get on the train. Start doing it. I think I told you a few weeks ago, um, my wife deals with the finances in our house, and I get an allowance. I get a certain allowance, and my allowance is for me to deal with cars, to deal with the yard, to deal with you know our pool and our water. That's my money that I get each month. But I've taken part of that money, and I pull some of it aside, and it's my fun money. And what do I do with it? Give it away. Why? It's fun. It's a joy to do. Anybody ever do that? Set, set, give yourself a budget of money where you, you give it away. I don't, it's not every month that I do it, but I hold it out, and when I have it, especially when it's cash in my hand, it's a whole lot easier. Drive down the street, see somebody saying, I have it, holding a sign, saying, I haven't eaten today, and give them cash. But Andrew, if you do that, they might spend it on drugs. Who cares? Who cares? That money was in my hand. Are you ready for this? That money was in my hand. That means it's got the kingdom all over it. Yeah. And when I give it away, I just injected the kingdom into them. It's a, it's a joy, it's a pleasure to live like that, not being restricted and saying, God, I know that you have given me more than enough, and in doing so, I'm able to give this away. So we're talking about tithing. I know sometimes it gets people a little upset. Sometimes it's a bit of a challenge. I know I, I get arguments all the time. I experience arguments all the time. Facebook, the bastion of truth. <laughs> I, I have people getting arguments all the time over that. It's like tithing, it's under the law. We're not under the law anymore. That's right, we aren't. So why are you restricting yourself? 
I mean, come on. I believe, someone had shared this with me, and I really believe it. I took it to heart. They said, you know, Andrew, when God gave us 10%, the tithe, that's what the word means, 10%. He said, when he gave us 10%, it was a gift. It was a gift because if he just said give, we would all be wondering how much we're supposed to give and wondering if we're doing it correctly. He gave us tithes just as something to say, yep, hold on to that right there and go. But I don't believe as a New Testament believer that's where we should start, stop. I believe that's where we should start is right there, is at 10%, giving it. But, but Andrew, we're not under the law anymore. We're, we're under grace. Each one should give according to his. You know, God loves a cheerful giver. First Corinthians talks about that. Yeah, read it in context because it's not talking about tithing there. It's talking about taking up an offering for somebody who's in need completely different yes hold on to that give as you have determined in your own heart but that's above and beyond that's 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 more that's the fun side of it that's the joy that's the experiential joy of it are you guys with me this morning i feel like i got about five people and the rest of you are really antsy in here <laughs> i'm a little nervous my dad used to say it's like a bunch of long-tailed cats in a room full of rocking chairs <laughs> Did you know tithing was not instituted by the law? Did you know that? Yeah. Does anybody ever you know that? Some people think that tithing has to do with the law, and since we're not under the law, we don't tithe anymore. Do you know the tithe had nothing to do with the law? Tithing was established 400 years before the law ever came. Abraham giving to Melchizedek. And why did he give to Melchizedek? Abraham was a man of faith. Abraham, he was a man of faith. He saw it. He saw the Jesus inside of Melchizedek, right? We all know who he is, Prince of Salem, right? King of Salem, King of Peace. And in, in Hebrews, it talks to us about Melchizedek, saying he was a prototype of Jesus himself. Abraham saw it. He saw it early on, way before the law ever happened. He saw it early on, and he took all the spoils of whatever he had just gotten from war. People even argue with me, well, Andrew, the tithe, it's, it was fruit and vegetables and stuff. It was part of produce. And I'm like, yeah, I have no problem believing that because that was currency but they didn't give money. Well, I happen to believe that when Abraham took all the spoils of war, do you think there was produce, cattle, money? If he, if he just conquered somebody, he got everything of theirs. So he had it, and it says he, he gave a 10% tithe of all that he had. So I think he was given all of it. I don't know why we argue about it. It's, it's not, tithe did, did not get instituted by the law. It got regulated by the law. The law came along and started regulating and saying, this is where you send it. But now that we're not under the law anymore, it's not regulated. Come on, isn't it a beauty? It's a wonderful thing. Jesus even says, Matthew 23, 23. He even says that. He says, you tithe. Here it is. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. This is the ones that hit us really hard, right? Because when Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, even though we're not scribes and Pharisees, we have to be careful because all of us carry a religious spirit around at some level. And it's speaking to the very thing that he's addressing here. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of your mint, anise, and cumin, and you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done, everybody read it with me, without leaving the others undone. Pharisees had a wonderful way of trying to weasel out of the commandments. Part of the commandments that God had given was that they take care of their parents in older age. And the Pharisees came along and kind of altered it and said, well, whatever gift, savings, money, extra that I have for my parents, I give it to God. It's called Corbin. 
And Jesus had a hard time with that. He, he said, you guys, you, you're, you're, for the sake of your traditions, you're destroying the commandments of God, missing out on it completely. Here's another thing when it comes to tithing. Don't treat it as an immediate return. Are you guys in a room with me here? Don't treat it as an immediate return. That's okay to start like that, I guess, at some level. God, I'm trusting you. I'm believing that whatever I sow, I reap. I get that. It's Galatians 6. It talks about it. It's very clear. In Galatians 6, by the way, it says, whatever man sows, that will he reap. That passage of scripture is directly talking about money, guys. It's directly talking about giving. Of course it applies. It's a kingdom principle. Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. But it's, it's, don't expect that right there after a sowing, you're going to reap. Sometimes it happens. I love testimonies like that. Anybody ever had that? Where you've given like the last part of it and all of a sudden God just shows up and like blows your door off? I love that kind of stuff. It doesn't always work well, work like that. That following passage in Galatians says, uh, don't let him, he, don't let grow weary in well-doing. I like to look at it like this. If a farmer plants corn in his field, he doesn't take off to Hawaii for vacation right after that. Right? He cultivates it. He stewards it. He waters it. He stays with it. Don't grow weary in well-doing. But also don't treat it like it's got some kind of immediate return to it. If every time I taught tithe, I thought I would get money in return, it wouldn't be faith anymore. It would just be an investment. There'd be no faith in it. If I knew that every time I gave money, I got a big return on it, there's no faith in that. As a matter of fact, everybody would be doing it. The issue, really, for me, is freedom or fear. It's freedom or fear. And this is why I don't like to compartmentalize it when it comes to money because we like to say in churches, who wants to live in liberty and freedom? Yeah, we all do. But when it comes to that part right there, I'm going to hold that a little closer. And I've discovered from personal experience that when I get in fear, all I do is I invite the enemy into my life and say, run around in there a little bit. Freak me out just a little bit more. Mess with me. Freedom gives the ability to do what is right Fear steals that freedom from you. Freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want. Freedom is the ability to do what's right. And fear comes in and takes that ability away from you. You can't even do it anymore. It's more about, it's even more about more than just the church. It's way more than that. It's way bigger. We are responsible for more than this church right here. I believe God called us here. As a matter of fact, it was eight years ago today this just hit me this morning. It was eight years ago today that my family took off from Nashville, Tennessee to move here. Eight years ago today that we left to move here. And when we moved here, it was not because it was a knee-jerk reaction. It was 10 years in the making of God calling us, showing us, revealing to us why we were here. Church, is that, do I have your attention? I'm not going anywhere. This is what I'm giving myself to. I didn't come here just to start a church and have a group of people come together so that we could talk about God, pray, and worship. Those things are fantastic. I want to see a shift in the culture in the entire city. I want to see that shift. But guys, we can't do it by just prayer alone. Yes, that's powerful. We can't do it by just worship alone. When the church starts joining together and saying, everything that has been given to me is not mine. I'm not going to let fear rule me. I'm going to release it. And guys, I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about wherever you go. I'm talking about your friends. I'm talking about people around you. When they're in need, let it go. 
Make it a part of life so that everything that you own is looked at as something that you can just simply give away. Come on, are you with me this morning? Why? Because I don't want to compartmentalize this one part of our life. Jesus talked about money more than anything. And when we compartmentalize this stuff out of fear, and I know I'm a pastor, there is fear involved in talking about it because this is how I live. So I run the risk of saying to you guys, yeah, give church money because I need to pay my Bright House bill. You hear what I'm saying, right? I'm hoping we can see beyond that a little bit, though. I'm hoping we can look beyond it because I'm not interested in just that. I'm interested in shifting a culture, and we cannot let money be something that we don't talk about. You guys know this, but maybe some of you don't if you're visiting. We, as a church, we give to the city. We give money to the city. Why? Because we want to have an impact. We want influence within the city. Not that we're trying to buy them. We're giving them money because we believe that churches, by and large, are tax-exempt, don't pay any taxes, so we suck things from the city because of that. Hello? We don't pay taxes on this building here. Every other business around here has to pay taxes on the building. The owners have to pay taxes. So when we come in with our tax exempt status, which is wonderful, it's great, but we end up sucking things from the city. So we don't want to be like that. So we give money to the city. And we want to increase it as we grow. We want to increase our giving that we're doing with missionaries and other people. Did you know that missionaries have to live on support from people like us, this church? They have to. Not everybody goes to the mission field, right? but everybody gives for people to go to the mission field, or at least it should be. It should be that way. Because not everybody's going to go, and that's quite all right. But we do need people giving. What I want to see us do is get over the fear. Get over the fear, kick it to the curb, and say, God, I'm going to make a commitment to make this part of my life, and I'm not going to turn back. If it's not easy after a month or two of doing this, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Here's what I've discovered. If I try to tithe after I pay my bills, there's never enough money to tithe. Never. Ever. <laughs> and what that does is when, when we have that approach, I am stepping on toes here, I can feel it, but you know what? It's part of my job. When we decide I'm going to start giving based on what I have left, you never have anything to give. Ever. Ever. And all it does is feed the mentality of there's never going to be enough. There's never going to be enough. There's never going to be enough. You'll have it in your heart, a desire, but it'll never happen because you've let fear come in and you've said, I've got to pay my bills before I do that. Try this. Try it. Try taking the top 10%. Try taking that at the very beginning and saying this is a non-negotiable. This goes out. I promise you, it may be a little challenge at first, but I promise you it'll change. You'll start to see it. I can't even begin to describe it. You'll see it. All of a sudden, it's there. All of a sudden, the ability is to, to do it is there. We're responsible for what happens in this church, but I'm hoping you guys are catching what I'm doing this morning. It's more than that. I'm responsible for what happens in the city, not solely, but in part, and I take that part very seriously. I take it seriously in that I'm not going anywhere. This is where God has planted us. Planted us. I see myself dying in this city. Not soon, no. <laughs> I know somebody's out there going, yeah, can I give you a little help with that? <laughs> no, nobody's doing that. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I feel bad. I know you do. I know you do. I know you do. But 
the investment that I'm looking for here is I'm looking, my eyes are set not on church growth. I hope you hear me here. My eyes are not set on church growth. My eyes are set on a culture shifting. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. I, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how long I'm pastoring here. I know I have zero intentions of leaving this place. I'm in here for the long haul. But I, don't know what, I just don't know what it looks like. All I know is I want to see a culture shift in the city. We've started it by making a commitment with part of our OSSM. Every Friday night, every Friday night, it's downtown, right where people are, setting up tables and chairs, and it's just ministering the gospel, meeting people right where they are, prophetic words, healing, and just testimony after testimony of it happening. But it's more than that. I can't just do that. I can't just pray. I can't just worship. I can't just paint houses or pick up trash along the side of the street. Social justice is great, but social justice without the comprehensiveness of the gospel is nothing. I heard someone describe it like this one time. It's like, instead of bringing someone food to eat, social justice, it's like, if you don't bring the whole gospel with it, instead of bringing them like a nice pie to eat, you're bringing them baking soda. It's in a pie, but it's a portion. It's not the whole thing. Does this make sense? Uh, th- this is what I'm getting at, guys. Let's not live compartmentalized life. Let's let every part of our being, everything say, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to give, not only in my, my attention to people, my love for people, my vulnerability to be able to talk to whoever at any given moment, in a restaurant, in a gas station, whatever it is, it's always in my mind. I don't always say things, but it's always in my mind. Everywhere I go, if I'm sitting at a table in a restaurant, I'm thinking, God, what are you doing here? Who are you talking to? What do you want to say? Is there somebody you want to talk to? Somebody you want to heal? Because I don't want to live a compartmentalized life. It's more than just the church here. It's about a city we've got responsibility for. Sometimes when you sacrifice now, you don't see the reward even until the next generation. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that? These are the things I think about. I think about six years ago, today, picking up my family of five, making a move to a city where I knew three people and starting over. I think about those things and I go, you know what? I know what I want to see. I have desires inside of my heart, but beyond that, I'm looking at my kids I'm looking at their friends. I'm looking at another generation, and I'm going, this thing will go on beyond me. It's going to go on beyond my family. I think like that because I don't want to limit it and say, God, you're not showing up. God, you're not doing anything. You know I have plenty of times where I could look at the, the life of this church in the last six years. I could look at it and go, God, we're not growing fast enough. We're not getting big enough. We're not, we're not doing these kinds of things that I want to do. But if the minute I start doing that, I'll get into depression. I have to look beyond it. I have to look at a generation beyond me. Proverbs says this, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Proverbs 19, 17. He who gives to the Lord blends to the poor. Different translations say it different ways. I like that. Did you know when you give to God that the, in, the interest rate is exponential? He who gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and when you lend to the Lord, the, the growth of that is exponential. It's more than just a discipline. People have taken tithing and even turned it down to a discipline. I don't want to live just by disciplines. I want to live by passion. If it's just a discipline in my life where I'm giving, then it's just another check that I'm writing. It might be the same check that I'm writing to Bright House or to, to the power company. But when, it, when I know that it's going out and there's passion behind it, I know that there's something inside of that. 
There's kingdom inside of that. You're hearing that. You're hearing that this morning. If it's just a principle of giving, then what's the point? There's a lot of other people who don't believe in Jesus that have wonderful principles that help humanity. But there's no power in that. I'm, I'm looking on. What's beyond? God, what are you doing with this? Every time we sow, every time we give, there's something happening that's going to happen for a generation, even beyond, my, on, beyond me. I, had, I brought up this earlier, Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he, what he's also going to reap. I don't know how more clear it can be. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. I'm going to end with this one right here. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Now I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Again, I can't promote this stuff enough, guys. This Passion Translation is just, it's brilliant. And you need to read multiple translations. You really need. I have multiple, multiple translations. My wife bought me a couple of years ago a New Testament Bible. It's got 26 translations in the New Testament. 26. And I read it all the time. It's on my shelf, easily accessible. Why? Because I don't want to get locked into my own interpretation of what God is saying. I need to hear it. I need to hear it from scholars, people who know what they're talking about that aren't just saying, I think it says this. I need to know, but I'm, I read those because I, want, I don't want to get locked into my own interpretation. Colossians 3.23, this is really what I'm talking about. This is the heart of what I'm talking about. It says this, put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. For we know that we will receive a reward an inheritance of kingdom authority from the Lord as we serve the Lord Yahweh, the anointed one. Some of you have heard it translated, let everything you do be done heartily as unto the Lord. Did you know that word heartily there is actually translated breathe or breath? So it's the very core of who you are. Heartily is not, I'm going to whip it up and go do this thing and I'm going to just really give it my go. No, it's like it's coming from here. It's like visceral. It's down deep. Everything that you do comes down from an internal conviction, not just a discipline. Are you with me? Yeah. It, it's coming from so deep. It's part of my identity. It's who I am. I'm not doing these things just so I can do a good deed. Everything that I do is heartily as unto the Lord. It's my soul. It's part of my breath. Everything that I do when I do this thing, it's God, you're getting every part of me. The good news is that everyone can get in on this. Because everyone's got a soul, right? <laughs> it's not just in giving, it's in everything we do. I think we're doing okay as a church. I really do. We're not perfect. I understand that we have a flavor, if you would. There are other churches that have other flavors. And, and they do what they do, and we do what we do, and it's part of how God designed us. We're all different, and we're all unique. And when I look at where we are as a church, I think we're doing pretty good. I really do. Over and over. You want to hear some good news? Can I pump your tires for a minute? You want to hear some good news? Almost without exception, every time somebody comes and visits this church, when they talk about their experience here, you know what they say? You people know how to love. Ding, 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 winner. Right there. I'm not interested in being inviting. I'm not interested in being sensitive. I am way more interested in people encountering love. So, and that's you guys. That's you. I'm, I'm not lying. You ask anyone on the team, we hear it over and over again. You guys love. You just love really well. Good. I hope that never changes. That's what I want. So I feel like, I feel like we're doing good with what God has given us here. So I hope you're hearing my heart even this morning. This is not a punitive thing here. 
It's just I do want us to wake up a little bit and go, there's something greater. There's something bigger than this. And I don't want to live a compartmentalized life. I decided a long time ago I'm not going to do that. The goal is not dollars. The goal is passion released in a culture that demands that those in the world see it and say, I want to live fully like that. Christianity is not marked by principles. It's marked by passion. You know what I'm talking about, right? How many of you have been around Christians before that are just absolutely passionate, sold out for God, and you just, they're attractive, you just want to be around them? And then you've got Christians who live by principles. Well, they're good moral people. You know, they do the right thing, pay their taxes, don't steal anybody's money, you know. I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in that. People that are sold out that have a passion, I'm not interested in saying I'm doing, I'm not saying I'm interested in doing the opposite of that. <laughs> I'm just simply saying, I don't want to live by principles alone. I want to live by passion, and I want to know that every part of my being is giving it towards this. I'm feeling something revive inside of me, church. Really, over the last couple of weeks, I've started feeling something revive in me, and I'm feeling Holy Spirit taking me back to points in my life where I found out what fire really was. I discovered fire. <laughs> Ooh, caveman fire. I discovered fire. And you know what? When I go back and I meditate on those times where I discovered fire, I start to realize that I had no idea what I was doing. All I knew is my passion was absolutely through the roof and my effectiveness was absolutely through the roof. It became that thing we had up there that from our very soul, that from our breath, from our very being, that we're saying, God, everything is for you. Everything is for your kingdom. No holds barred. Everything. Can we do that? Can we live like that? Can we be a people that live like that? The Old Testament shows us something, that fire always falls on sacrifice. So if we think we're given a sacrifice and no fire is falling in our life, we might want to reconsider our sacrifice. Just a suggestion. I believe it's all about co-laboring with God. It really is. I think it was Randy told me this week. He said that someone had told him, I don't know who it was, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Randy, he said that somebody had told him that if God can live on 10%, then why can't I? <laughs> I know people that they are moving their lives in that direction. They're going to live off 10% of their income and give 90% of it away. You can only imagine what gets received from something like that. I can only imagine. I really I can't. I'm not there yet. If I'm being honest, I'm not there yet. But where I have started, I have seen. And I know that there's something to it. So here's what I want to do today. I'm not asking you or speaking about this to try to get you guys to give money. That would be manipulation. And I refuse to do that. What I want to do is partner with you in seeing God show up in your life. Now you guys know we do declarations here, right? So we're going to do the declarations this morning. What we're going we're gonna to break them down. So go ahead and put them up there on the screen, declaration number one. And we're going to do the offering at the end of all this, okay? We have a list of things here. It's not exhaustive. It's not completely inclusive of everything, but it's something. And there's something in there that usually hits somebody at some point in their life, right? I just heard testimony today. Michael, got a job. He has the job. But he got a better job. You got a uh, a promotion. 
jobs, jobs and better jobs. Listen, how long have you guys been here? Two or three years? About three years, yeah, about three years now. And you've been a part of this every week, making these declarations with us. Here, this promotion comes to him, and he's not even asking for it, not even looking for it. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. But, but, hello, everybody look at me right now. God is looking for people to co-labor, not just to spout words. So when we say these things, it's not about a name it and claim it. It's about, no, I'm partnering with you, God, and I'm saying these things, but I'm saying these things, but I'm also not going to compartmentalize my life by not giving. I can say those all I want and not give. And here's the, here's the funny part about it. God is still so good. He still takes care of us. He's still that good. But there's still something about co-laboring and entering into it with him that you can never experience. You never, ever experience it unless you start letting it go. Start letting it go. So here's what I'm going to do. For those in here who need jobs and better jobs, you're in a place right now, you either need a job or you just really want a better job. I want you to stand up right where you are. You need a job or a better job. Stand up right where you are. Okay, now everybody around them, just put your hands on them. And just right now, just pray. We're going to do quick prayers over this stuff, okay? Put your hands on them. Make sure everybody's touched. We do this. It's a laying on of hands. We like to do this. If it makes you uncomfortable, I kind of apologize, but not really. Put your hand on them. And just, just right now, just in your own words, just declare that there is a release of jobs and better jobs. Lord, we're believing that right now. We're stepping into agreement. We're doing the yes and amen to what you've decided already. We say more and better jobs. Jobs and better jobs released right now. Not, not that they're going to be released. Let's say right now that they are released and that you're going to discover them. You're going to discover them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, sit down. Sit down. All right, now here's another one. Raises, bonuses, and benefits. How many want to raise? How many want bonuses? Come on, don't be shy about this. Don't be shy about this. How many want to raise? You want a bonus or a benefit? You want more benefits in your life? I do. I want more benefits. I do. I hope somebody comes up here and puts their hand on me. I'm standing, by the way. Begin to pray right now for those raises, bonuses, and benefits to be released. Yes, God. Release them right now. As we declare the word that they're released, raises, bonuses, and benefits right now. Lord, I don't know how it works. I just know when I partner with you, things happen. So we do it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Okay, you can sit down. All right. Favorable settlements, estates, and inheritances. I'm sorry. Sales. Whoa! Sales and commissions. Stand up. Sales and commissions. All right. Do the same thing right now. Guys, I'm, I don't know if it helps you. Here's how I'm looking at it. I'm not asking God to give them sales. I'm asking God to reveal where the sale has already happened and they begin to wake up to it and see it, okay? That kind of commission, that kind of stuff. So right now, I'll just pray for them that it's released. Sales and commissions get released right now. Beyond what you can think, exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think that sales and commissions get released right now. Lord, I'm even praying on this one specifically. I know there's testimonies coming on it. There's huge testimonies coming on this one right here. Sales and commissions. Sales and commissions. I'm saying it, and every time I say it, it's like an arrow going into blockage. Sales and commissions. Sales and commissions right now, breaking open. All those who need them, they see them right now. They see strategies. They see insights. They know how to arrest it. They know how to grab it and say, that's mine, right there. 
In Jesus' name, amen? All right, now can we move on? Favorable settlements, estates, and inheritances. Now, this one can be hard for people because sometimes people have even told me before, wait, somebody has to die in order for you to get that. No, not true. Not true. Favorable settlements. If you have something that's in litigation, you have something that's going on, you're waiting for some money to be released, if it'll be a legal thing, a family thing, settlements, whatever it is, estates and inheritances. Right now, stand up. All right, now those, put hands on those right there. We're moving, we're moving. Everybody's up, we're moving. Put hands on them. (laughs) Thank you, God. All right, Lord. Right now, just go for it. Just declare it released. Let's join our faith with like Abraham. When he, he saw God and he said he saw God as the one who who spoke as if things existed even though they didn't exist. Spoke as if they existed already. Favorable settlements, estates, and inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Interest and income. Anybody have investments out there? Anybody have property? Anybody have anything out there where you you reap an income from it? Some kind of investment? Some kind of property? Something where you get income from it? Stand up. Right here. We need more of this. We need more people owning property. Yeah, if you want to stand up for that, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Income, yes. Interest and income. So just declare it right now. Interest, right now. Interest and income. Interest and income. Every investment, let it flourish. Let it flourish. Every Every place where income comes because of property or because of ownership of something, that if it's, not being, if it's not being used or producing income right now, it begins to produce income. It's producing income. Multiple streams of income being released. Amen? Amen. All right, here's another one. Rebates and returns. Rebates and returns. Guys, I love this. This is one of my personal favorites. I don't know why, but we still get checks on rebates and returns that I have no idea why. We still get stuff. Every now and then, it'll show up in the mail. It's $9. It's $2. It's $12. It doesn't matter. All, my awareness has shifted to know that that money, that's God. He, he made somebody write a check and give me money. All right, stand up if that's you. Rebates and returns. You're, you're waiting on something. I don't care if it was from a cereal box and you're waiting for a rebate. I'm serious. Rebates and returns. Yes, God, right now. I pray mailboxes be filled tomorrow with rebates and returns. <laughs> Rebate, just your mailboxes be filled with it. Rebates and returns in Jesus' name. All right, here's the other one. Checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. Come on, everybody needs to stand up on this one. <laughs> Checks in the mail. <laughs> Checks in the mail. Hey guys, I've got a testimony on this one from years ago when we first moved here. Six years ago today, we first moved here. Within the first few months, we were pretty destitute. I mean, it was difficult. I started my own business, but it wasn't turning around and I wasn't making money. And I remember walking down my driveway one day, looking at my mailbox, walking past it, and I said, I want $5,000 in that mailbox by tomorrow. I said that. You know what happened the next day? I didn't have $5,000. I had $5,400 in the mailbox. Checks in the mail, okay? 
checks in the mail. So just release that right now over everybody. Checks in the mail being released regardless where they come from. God, you've got, you've got something in order for us. Checks in the mail being released. Okay, next one. Gifts and surprises. This is fun. This is fun. Gifts and surprises. Okay. All right. I just felt something on this one right here. I just felt, I just felt something on this one. Listen. Gifts and surprises. Somebody in here is carrying cash in your pocket and you need to surprise somebody today. Okay? Remember, this is not just a take thing. It's a give thing. It works both ways. It's the law of reciprocity. Some of you have cash in your pockets. You just need to pay attention because God's going to have you give it to somebody today. Gifts and surprises. Right now, in Jesus' name, they're just being released. Lord, visions of who we need to give to getting released as well. All right? Here's one. Finding money. Finding money. This is a fun one. This is a fun one. You want to hear another funny testimony? Years ago, years ago, we had a boat. I was out on the lake. I went out by myself just to get some time by myself. This was years ago. We had a boat. I took it out on the lake. I anchored it on the shore just to hang out and just to be, just to hang out and be there. And I looked down over the side of the boat, and there was all kinds of cash sitting there on the bottom of the water, just that deep underwater. I jumped out of the boat, of course, and I don't, I don't know how much I found, but there was like, I don't know, it was $100, $150 in cash just laying on the bottom of it right there, finding money. Anybody want to find money like that? Yeah, find it. I'll find money like that. So let that be released right now. Lord, just, just divine joy. Lord, just divine fun. Recreational fun of finding money. Finding money in Jesus' name, okay? Here's another one. Debts paid off. Debts paid off. Right now, who has school loans? Who has school loans? Put your hands up. Put your hands up. School loans. Right now, we're going to hit that one hard. School loans. If you have school loans right now, make sure somebody's touching you. And right now, we're saying the favor of God released over school loans. That they get forgiven. They get absolutely forgiven and wiped clean. Every school loan right now, in Jesus' name, wiped clean. Okay. How many have credit card debt? I got my hand in the air. Got a little credit card debt. Got it. Go after that. Right now, credit card debt be eradicated. Absolutely. I'm praying for credit card debt to be paid off to such an extent that the credit card company has to give you a check. Yeah, I want credit card debt gone. I don't have a lot, but I want it gone. I hate it. Can't stand it. Okay, mortgages. Mortgages. I don't, I don't believe, guys, I don't believe that they are just a part of life. I don't believe that. I don't believe they're just a part of life. I believe God works through them, but I believe there's something better. Mortgages specifically right now. Mortgages. Wait, yeah. Oh, man, I just saw this immediately tied to income. That right now mortgage is getting paid off to such an extent that it's affecting even the investment properties, and those investment properties now produce even more income. More income. Mortgage is paid off. All that debt gone in Jesus' name right now. How many have, how many are right now that feel disconnected to this? Car trouble. Anybody having trouble with your car right now and you don't want to get it fixed because you know it costs money? Okay? Okay. Yeah, I've got a little something going on with mine. It's not a big deal, but I don't like it when that happens because I don't want to put money into it. So I'm saying right now that even the car troubles right now are getting paid off. 
I actually had God heal one of my cars before. Kid you not. I had a bad oil leak and I said, God, you heal, heal my car. And the oil leak stopped. And no, I didn't run it out of oil. I, it, it stopped. So right now, I'm just declaring right now, even a release over that. Any car, auto problems, that those things getting repaired, getting fixed right now, God, you just heal those things in Jesus' name. Medical debt, medical debt right now. Medical debt right now released. God, you're just right. Forgiveness of that stuff. I'm saying forgiveness of that stuff. Absolute forgiveness. That you don't even have to look for a provision on it. That if you have medical debt, that the debt is getting forgiven. I'm declaring that letters are going to be received in the mail saying that you no longer owe money for medical debt. All debts canceled. In Jesus' name, amen? All right, here's a fun one. I like this one right here. Expenses decrease. Expenses decrease. I like this one, guys, but listen, this is part of the co-laboring. This is part of the co-laboring with God because you're not just saying that expenses get decreased. You're saying, God, show me where I can step into this thing and cause it to happen. Seriously. Seriously. I can can step into this. I can cause this to happen. I can cause that expense to decrease right there because I don't need that. I don't need the bright house. Whatever it is for you. Expenses decrease. Right now, in Jesus' name, expenses are decreasing. Decreasing. In whatever way God sees fit, we're just going to say that those expenses decrease in Jesus' name, and we're all going to get on on the blessing and increase, right? Blessing and increase, okay? Blessing and increase. All right, let's go to the next slide. Let's go to the next slide, Christiana. Blessing and increase. We did that one. Let's go to the next one. This is important. Here's what we're doing, guys. Listen to the language of this. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my needs. Now, listen to me. Hang on. Don't say it. I want you to listen to it. Let it go in your ears first. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my needs, knowing that I may have more than enough, more than enough to give into the kingdom of God. This is that right here, this unction, that Colossians 3 thing. All right, let's do it together. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my needs, knowing that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.